The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 2, The Constitution, Book 4, Varennes, Chapter 1, Easter at St. Cloud. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by Peter Dan. Book 4, Chapter 1, Easter at St. Cloud. The French monarchy may now, therefore, be considered as, in all human probability, lost. As struggling henceforth in blindness as well as weakness, the last light of reasonable guidance having gone out. What remains of resources their poor majesties will waste still further in uncertain loitering and wavering. Mirabeau himself had to complain that they only gave him half-confidence and always had some plan within his plan. Had they fled frankly with him to Rouen or anywhither long ago, they may fly now with chance immeasurably lessened, which will go on lessening towards absolute zero. Decide, O oh Queen, poor Louis can decide nothing. Execute this flight project, or at least abandon it. Correspondence with Bouillet, there has been enough. What profits consulting and hypothesis, while all around is in fierce activity of practice? The rustic seats waiting till the river run dry, Alas, with you it is not a common river, but a Nile inundation, snow melting in the unseen mountains, till all and you where you sit be submerged. Many things invite to flight. The voice journals invites, royalist journals proudly hinting it as a threat, patriot journals rapidly denouncing it as a terror. Mother society, waxing more and more emphatic, invites, so emphatic that, as was prophesied, Lafayette and your limited patriots have ere long to branch off from her and form themselves into foyons with infinite public controversy. The victory in which, doubtful though it look, will remain with the unlimited mother. Moreover, ever since the day of poniards, we have seen unlimited patriotism openly equipping itself with arms. Citizens denied activity, which is facetiously made to signify a certain weight of purse, cannot buy blue uniforms and be guardsmen. But man is greater than blue cloth. Man can fight, if need be, in multiform cloth, or almost even without cloth, as sans culotte. So pikes continued to be hammered, whether those dirks of improved structure with barbs be meant for the West India market or not meant. Men beat the wrong way, their ploughshares into swords. Is there not what we may call an Austrian committee, Comité Austrichien, sitting daily and nightly in the Tuileries? Patriotism, by vision and suspicion, knows it too well. If the king fly, will there not be aristocrat Austrian invasion, butchery, replacement of feudalism, wars more than civil? The hearts of men are saddened and maddened. Dissident priests, likewise, give trouble enough. Expelled from their parish churches, where constitutional priests elected by the public have replaced them, these unhappy persons resort to convents of nuns or other such receptacles, and there, on Sabbath, collecting assemblages of anti-constitutional individuals who have grown devout all on a sudden, they worship, or pretend to worship, in their straight-laced, contumacious manner, to the scandal of patriotism. Dissident priests, passing along with their sacred wafer for the dying, seem wishful to be massacred in the streets, wherein patriotism will not gratify them. 
Slighter palm of martyrdom, however, shall not be denied. Martyrdom, not of massacre, yet of fustigation. At the refractory places of worship, patriot men appear, patriot women with strong hazel wands which they apply. Shut thy eyes, O reader, see not this misery, peculiar to these later times, of martyrdom without sincerity, with only cant and contumacy. A dead Catholic Church is not allowed to lie dead. No, it is galvanised into the detestablest death life, whereat humanity, we say, shuts its eyes. For the patriot women take their hazel wands and fustigate amid laughter of the bystanders with alacrity, broad bottoms of priests, alas, nuns too reversed, and cotillons retrousse. The National Guard does what it can. Municipality invokes the principles of toleration, grants dissident worshippers the church of the Theatin, promising protection. But it is to no purpose. At the door of that Theatin church appears a placard and suspended atop, like a plebeian consular fasces, a bundle of rods. The principles of toleration must do the best they may, but no dissident man shall worship contumaciously. There is a plebiscitum to that effect, which, though unspoken, is like the laws of the Medes and Persians. Dissident, contumacious priests ought not to be harboured, even in private, by any man. The club of the Cordelias openly denounces Majesty himself as doing it. Many things invite to flight but probably this thing above all others, that it has become impossible. On the 15th of April, notice is given that His Majesty, who has suffered much from Qatar lately, will enjoy the spring weather for a few days at St. Cloud. Out at St. Cloud, wishing to celebrate his Easter, his park or pash, there with refractory anti-constitutional dissidents, wishing rather to make off for Compiègne and then to the frontiers, as were, in good sooth, perhaps feasible, or would once have been, nothing but some two chasseurs attending you, chasseurs easily corrupted. It is a pleasant possibility, executed or not. Men say there are thirty thousand chevaliers of the poniard lurking in the woods there, lurking in the woods, and thirty thousand, for the human imagination is not fettered. But now, how easily might these, dashing out on Lafayette, snatch off the hereditary representative and roll away with him after the manner of a whirlblast, whither they listed? Enough, it were well the king did not go. Lafayette is forewarned and forearmed, but indeed is the risk his only, or his and all France's? Monday the 18th of April is come, the Easter journey to St. Cloud shall take effect. National Guard has got its orders. A first division, as advanced guard, has even marched and probably arrived. His Majesty's mace en bouche, they say, is all busy stewing and frying at St. Cloud, the King's dinner not far from ready there. About one o'clock the royal carriage, with its eight royal blacks, shoots stately into the Place du Carousel, draws up to receive its royal burden. But hark, from the neighbouring church of St. Roche, the tocsin begins ding-donging. Is the king stolen, then? He is going, gone. Multitudes of persons crowd the carousel. The royal carriage still stands there, and by heaven's strength shall stand. Lafayette comes up with aide-de-camps and oratory, pervading the groups. Tassez-vous, answer the groups, the king shall not go. Monsieur appears at an upper window. Ten thousand voices bray and shriek. 
Nous ne voulons pas que le roi parte. Their majesties have mounted. Crack go the whips, but twenty patriot arms have seized each of the eight bridles. There is rearing, rocking, vociferation, not the smallest headway. In vain does Lafayette fret, indignant, and perorate and strive. Patriots in the passion of terror bellow round the royal carriage. It is one bellowing sea of patriot terror run frantic. Will royalty fly off towards Austria like a lit rocket, towards endless conflagration of civil war? Stop it, ye patriots, in the name of heaven! Rude voices passionately apostrophise royalty itself, Usher Campan and other the like official persons, pressing forward with help or advice, are clutched by the sashes and hurled and whirled in a confused perilous manner, so that Her Majesty has to plead passionately from the carriage window. Order cannot be heard, cannot be followed. National Guards know not how to act. Centre Grenadiers of the Observatoire Battalion are there, not on duty, alas, in quasi-mutiny, speaking rude, disobedient words, threatening the mounted guards with sharp shot if they hurt the people. Lafayette mounts and dismounts, runs haranguing, panting on the verge of despair. For an hour and three quarters, seven quarters of an hour, by the Tuileries' clock, desperate Lafayette will open a passage were it by the cannon's mouth, if His Majesty will order. Their Majesties, counselled to it by Royalist friends, by Patriot foes, dismount and retire in with heavy, indignant heart, giving up the enterprise. Maison Bouche may eat that cooked dinner themselves. His Majesty shall not see St. Cloud this day, or any day. The pathetic fable of imprisonment in one's own palace has become a sad fact, then. Majesty complains to assembly. Municipality deliberates, proposes to petition or address. Sections respond with sullen brevity of negation. Lafayette flings down his commission, appears in civic pepper-and-salt frock, and cannot be flattered back again, not in less than three days, and by unheard-of entreaty. National guards kneeling to him and declaring that it is not sycophancy, that they are free men kneeling there to the Statue of Liberty. For the rest, those centre grenadiers in the observatoire are disbanded, yet indeed are re-enlisted, all but fourteen under a new name and with new quarters. The king must keep his Easter in Paris, meditating much on this singular posture of things, but as good as determined now to fly from it, desire being whetted by difficulty. End of Book 4, Chapter 1